Hello everyone and welcome back to SciSection. I'm Halima, your journalist for this week, and today we are delighted to have Dr. Latif Murji. Dr. Murji is a family physician and lecturer at the University of Toronto, and he's also the founder of Stand Up for Health and Vax Vax Clinic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Halima, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So before we get into specifically the work that you do in present day, I do have a couple of rapid fire questions. Firstly, what does your day-to-day -day work look like as a physician? Yeah, that's a super interesting question because for me, uh, I do clinical work every couple of weeks in Northern Ontario. So there's no real fast way to answer that. Some days where my job is to travel up North, right? And then there's some days, you know, when I'm up North, for example, I can give you a typical day is uh, I get up, go to the hospital and round on my inpatients. So that means uh, talking to uh, the interprofessional team to see how they did overnight, seeing the patients themselves and assessing them uh, and reevaluating my assessment and plan, looking over their blood work um, and investigations, that kind of thing. And then I would potentially do a family medicine clinic or emergency shift. If it's uh, family medicine, then I go home at the end of the day and work on Santa for Health or, you know, Fax Act or something else, or go on some sort of excursion in the North. Um, but if it's an emergency shift, then often those are 24 hours and uh, and so I would stay in-house, be there until the next morning, and then it all kind of repeats. So that's that's how it could look like if I'm up north, but then otherwise, I usually live in Toronto, and I can be working on Vax Vax all day when I'm down in Toronto, or working on Stand Up for Health, or um, the teaching that I do at U of T at the Scarborough Hospital. Um, and then I also um, and really I'm really into music, so uh, <laughs> I spend some time on that too. That's incredible to see how different your days can look. So given that, what aspect of your job do you love the most and what do you like the least? Yeah. So because of, you know, everything I just said, as you can imagine, there's so much variety and flexibility in what I do. And that's, I just love that. Every day I get to do something different. I get to interact with different people. That's probably the, my favorite thing. Um, and then the least would be the paperwork writing notes and the administrative work that comes with, you know, having so many different jobs. So you kind of talked previously about how when you're typically in Toronto, you spend a lot of your time working on Stand Up for Health and Stand Up for Health is a nonprofit that diverges away from the typical way of learning about the social determinants of health and that sort of thing. So typically students are used to experiencing lectures and graphs and it really lacks a lot of that lived experience that people who um, suffer or who have to deal with difficult situations often have to endure. So your team employs a really experiential way of um, teaching people or teaching health professionals specifically about the social determinants of health. What's the story behind that organization and the approach that you guys use? So I grew up in Scarborough and I experienced a lot of the social determinants of health firsthand. And I also saw it around me with a lot of my friends. So having that lived experience really shaped who I am today. And when I went to my undergrad, I was actually really lucky to take a course in the social terms of health specifically. And it was really eye-opening and it really resonated with me because my whole, you know, my whole life experience all started to make sense theoretically and practically all at the same time. I noticed that a lot of my peers, it wasn't resonating in the same way. And I was kind of confused about this. I was like, this is such a human experience. What is missing here? That was literally the answer. It was 
the human experience, that lived experience was missing. And we were learning about social terms of health in terms of these facts and statistics and numbers and graphs, but we needed a human experience to connect that. So I started creating a simulation of you know, what it might be like to experience some of these challenges and barriers. And that developed into what Stand Up For Health is today, which is a not-for-profit organization. Um, and we have a whole team of volunteers. A lot of people have really helped out in the creation of and, and the facilitation of what we do. Um, so now we actually run our simulations uh, and other learning product in different university and other institutional settings. And we train medical learners, whether they're medical students, residents, even physicians and other health professionals on the social determinants of health and connect that emotional experience that they get through the simulation with the actual stats and facts so that they end up sticking. And then when, and we also have discussions around this so that when people end up seeing patients in real life, they actually have more to really consider. And then we also encourage uh, and kind of channel that energy that people get from the, the immersive experience to encourage advocacy at a level that's broader than just the individual level. We want to see not just micro, but meso and macro. So that's community and population level advocacy, because that's the way to have the most impact. And given your background, what sparked your interest in pursuing a career in medicine, spe- specifically centered on the social determinants of health versus going down a different route and trying to tackle various issues related to socioeconomic disparities and that sort of thing? Why did you decide to take the medical route and tackle it in that sense? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the physician-patient relationship is something that really drew me to medicine and then subsequently to family medicine where you have a longitudinal physician-patient relationship. You know, I still really enjoy that as part of my job, you know, having a, a connection with someone, you know, building a rapport with someone, connecting beyond just, you know, here, I'm gonna hear your problems and give you a treatment. No, like I am a member of the community and understand you and we can work together to build health right and well-being so you know medicine is really rewarding in a lot of ways and probably for me the biggest is that interpersonal relationship that i have when i see patients and see them again and again and the kind of communal approach that you take to taking care of your patients versus, you know, me and you, we're going to work together to support you versus the kind of typical, I think, view that people have of physicians as this person in a white coat telling you, don't eat this, take this medication versus the thing that you're trying to do is very communal and developing relationships between patients. And so what issues do you think patients face when we only consider the physiology of their presentation? What what issues can occur when we only take take that into account versus a lot of what you advocate for in terms of the social determinants of health? Yeah, we can run into a a lot of problems if we're ignoring the social factors and the social context of our patients. First of all, I don't even wear the white coat because uh, I want to, you know, as I mentioned, I want to connect with my patients and I feel like that can sometimes be a barrier. Try to understand what my patient's experiencing and understand how there is a disease at play, how that integrates into their life, how that affects their function and their well-being. And then we work towards solutions that might include medicine, but it might also be lifestyle changes. And it might also involve me connecting them with certain supports and income supports 
other community supports and groups that uh, can provide social support. There's really a lot to consider, right? If you if you're just providing a medicine and the patient and you don't consider the context that the patient is coming from, they might not even be able to afford that medication. If they're homeless, they might not have a place to store the medication, and you just discharge them, and they're going back to the context in which they got sick in the first place. We really need to consider where our patients are coming from. We know that social factors are responsible for over 50% of health problems to begin with, and biological factors are about 25%. So social determines of health is really where you get your bang for your buck and how you actually impact the patient's well-being. And we're not seeing that reflected enough in the way that we treat our patients. So I'm trying to be a part of that movement to prioritize the social determinants of health. And now something more relevant to present day is you started Vax Fax Clinics, pressing that five times fast. You started Vax Fax Clinics earlier this year, which is now a national service that provides people an opportunity to speak confidently and um, with a physician one-to-one in a judgment-free space on ask any questions about the vaccine and any issues they have pertaining to it. Why did you think this was necessary and what impact is this approach and this type of clinic having for patients? Yeah, VaxVax is a super fun idea that we had and we started a few months ago and it's really blown up. It was first a service that we started for healthcare workers in Scarborough just so that they can have a space where they can ask their questions one-on-one with a doctor confidentially in a judgment-free space and get the facts from a trusted expert. And it was so successful that soon we scaled it to the entire community in Scarborough. And then it went to all of Toronto, all of Ontario. And now it's national because we are a first of its kind education service for the vaccine. We are the only physician-led model for vaccine confidence conversations. And what we're finding is that patients you know, who are hesitant about the vaccine really appreciate having a doctor, someone that they trust, just basically sit down with them and hear their concerns and have their concerns validated because people are genuinely just concerned about their own health and the health of their loved ones. So they want to make a choice that is best for them. So it's important for us to understand that these are reasonable people. They're not hardcore anti-vax people. They genuinely care about their health and they want to get the answers. So it's actually a great thing that they are coming to a trusted professional who is an expert in the field. And especially given the how much misinformation there is out there, this is a great opportunity to connect patients with physicians who are experts and get the facts straight. Regarding the impact we're having, our latest numbers show that we're about 82% uh, in terms of patients choosing to get vaccinated after speaking with a physician. And remember, these appointments are often long and complex. They last 20 to 30 minutes just on the topic of the vaccine. And there's so many questions patients have, and they're quite challenging to have these conversations. But You know, this goes to show that um, patience and support can go a long way. And it's incredible to see, and I'm really glad um, just how successful the program is because we need to get people vaccinated to get rid of this pandemic. And so I'm really glad that the community and the country at large is really taking it up. Um, How did you infuse the passion that you have for health equity and the social determinants of health into creating and operating this really gigantic um, project that you've started with VaxVax Clinics? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So as soon as we decided to start the VaxFax Clinic, as coordinator of health equity at Scarborough Health Network, I knew that it was really important that we infuse that lens of health equity into the service that we were bringing to our community in Scarborough. So for example, you know, we have appointments available from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. so that if people are working or have multiple jobs, hopefully there's a time that they can call in and speak to a doctor. And, and that's seven days a week, by the way. So you know, any day that works for the patient will work for us. Um, we also have over 200 languages of live interpretation services. So anyone who speaks any language can call in and have their questions answered. And we also made sure that OHIP is not a barrier. So people who don't have OHIP or are refugees or undocumented, um, they can also call in and not have to worry. Um, all, all you need is a name and a phone number and uh, you can have an appointment with a doctor. And you know, born out of this, because we don't have OHIP as a requirement, actually anyone in Canada can call in because as I said, we're the only ones who are running a physician-led clinic about vaccine confidence in the country. So now we've kind of gained the, uh, the eye of, of other provinces and, and are accepting calls from around the country. And we're really all in this together. We're all on the same team, so why not? That sounds great. And I think based off everything we've discussed about VaxFax, Santa for Health, your work really takes into account all aspects of a patient's life, their income, their education, that sort of thing, when you're supporting them with their health, not just the physiology of what they're presenting to you. How do you think in general, we can better improve our medical education or healthcare education um, to embed really this incredible approach into Canadian healthcare um, with the ultimate goal of improving patient outcomes, providing empathy, and getting more patient-doctor patient relationships to be built off that communal aspect that you really emphasize? Yeah, I'm really a proponent of thinking upstream in healthcare and, you know, in medical education. Obviously, Stand Up for Health is all about that, and we're doing that through experiential learning, so immersing you know, medical trainees and learners into the shoes of our patients so that they can get a feel for it, what it might be like to experience some of those challenges. And then thinking about the upstream solutions, because the solution, I guarantee you, in Stand Up for Health is not, uh, you know, this medication. There's, there's more structural issues that need to be resolved. Um, so that's one example, you know, all, all kinds of experiential learning or community service learning would be beneficial for for our students, having patients come in and hearing from those patients firsthand or having clinical experiences often brings, you know, sheds a lot of light for our learners. And then thinking about like advocacy campaigns in real life and connecting with community organizations um, in, the, in the field, in the community, so that we can really embed our learners and, our, and, and people who are working in our healthcare system in the local context and in their community, because that's ultimately who they are responsible for uh, bringing care to. And on that note, thank you so much, Dr. Murji, for joining us today to speak about Stand Up for Health, Facts, Medical Education, among the many things that you do. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Latif underscore M to keep up with his incredible work. Thank you so much for joining us.